0: are ridiculous these guys are
1: ridiculous and we are back with another episode of the from the Raptors podcast sam and i are here recording on wednesday august 10th and we are joined by uh, keith smith of celtics blog spa track uh, and the front office show podcast how you doing keith
0: i'm doing well thanks for having me Keith, this is very random is it spo track or spot track because i, I think... right the first time it's it's okay. really like it think of it almost like two words like spot and track okay and then just jam them together spot track you gotcha. could make it...
2: spot track just for spolstra that's it
0: could have but sure. we've, yeah but we didn't so <laughs> or they didn't I, gotcha. say. I had nothing to do with naming it so
2: I
1: always say "spo track" in my head, but then I, I was listening to you on Front Office Pod, and I was like, "Okay, I think I'm wrong."
0: I think yeah, a lot of people say "sport tack," "sport track."
1: <laughs> so, oh yeah, it's. I like track. sport tech. I, I like that one. That's new.
0: <laughs> Sounds like something um,
1: you put on your gloves as like a wide receiver to catch the ball better. <laughs> right? It does love that. Um, but yeah, I was telling you, uh, before we hopped up, hit the record button, I want to start with the Kevin Durant news. Um, not that there's anything rel- like necessarily new, but you have all these new reports from Ian Begley of SNY, Adam Himmelsbach, Sham, Steve Bopet, all this stuff going on, so I wanted to ask you that. But before that, I just I just needed to know, this is very important, would you give up Grant Williams
0: in a Kevin Durant trade? Depends on what else is going in that trade. I mean, he's I'm not taking him off the table entirely. If it was like, all right. Uh that that's gonna be it for us today, guys. Uh we're gonna
1: <laughs> <laughs> no sorry. Uh sorry, I just saw I saw you tweet about it because there was someone saying uh yeah, that on Twitter. we
0: go a little too far sometimes.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, no, we had a report from Adam Himmelsbach today, kind of I guess the Celtic side of things, effectively. You're hearing all these reports from Shams and Woji it sounds like pretty clearly it's coming out of the nets camp and adam basically saying you know nothing's happening right now they're not close he did also note that the nets asked for tatum and brown when negotiations started which i thought was funny uh just your thoughts i guess on this quote-unquote news uh coming from the globe
0: yeah i mean i i'm not gonna lie i legitimately laughed out loud when i saw the tatum and (laughs) brown thing i get it though right you you shoot high, you always ask high in any kind of negotiation because the worst yeah. they're going to say is no. Uh, I likened it over on the front office show when we recorded today to I don't know if you guys ever play FIFA, the FIFA video mm-hmm. game. Yeah. But like yeah. if you're like trying to get a player, in like they find your offer insulting like they they'll computerize like other manager gets up and like storms out and he's yeah. like you're you were never serious or whatever the pre-programmed language is like i like to envision like brad stevens being like this is a joke and then like just heads <laughs> up and is like i'm, I'm done with wearing his generic outfit right exactly yes yeah. yeah. so yeah so i um yeah I, I so i guess the the way i would think through this is it's I am not surprised the Nets are putting a massive asking price for Kevin Durant. I think it kind of says two things is one is like, we don't really want to trade him, but if we're going to, you're going to have to blow us away with an offer. We absolutely cannot refuse. Um, and then from the Celtics side, it's good to have some confirmation that this, um, well, I yeah, shouldn't use confirmation because it's, it's not, well, we'll never know yeah. for sure, <laughs> but confirmation ish that, this was handled in a certain way and we'll see, you know, where where it goes from there, but it never got real serious. And, and I get it. It was, you know, I always say it's like if the Celtics called up the Lakers and said, Hey, we'll give you guys uh, Sam Hauser for LeBron James, what do you think? And then they could be like, well, we made an offer for LeBron and the Lakers passed it up. Right. And it's (laughs) like, I mean, I guess, but like, it's not realistic. So that's, that's, you know, sometimes where the stuff works. It's uh you know, just kind of how it goes. So I think it is, um, yeah, you know, it's just something to, to to kind of, all right, well, it's just another piece of information and off we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Shams report saying that they included Brown in a deal. For all we know, that was the Nets asking for Tatum and Brown and the Celtics. You know, they, they just left out the part about Tatum and just decided to include Brown in the report. But uh, yeah. you also see the note, um, I think it was from Shams too, saying that the Nets plan on taking, quote unquote, every last asset from any team uh, that they trade uh, Durant to. Where do you think that leads, right? Because you don't want other teams to know that. Obviously, the reports are just being spewed out by these executives using Shams uh, as you know a means to get their information out there. What does that tell you? Does that tell – like you were saying, is that effectively them saying we're not going to trade Durant, but – You know, he wants out, so you better give us everything if you actually want us to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's really what it is. I think the Nets are basically saying, hey, we have a pretty high asking price. And if you want to make a deal, you have to meet that asking price. And if you don't, that's fine. We'll work and content to keep him for now. Now, the reality is we've got a little bit of a clock on this at this point, because I don't think they really want to go into training camp. With him now we're getting reports out of New York out of some of the writers who cover The nets closely that He won't come to camp Like there are a lot of people like well Kevin Durant's A real hooper whatever that means So he's not going to miss like he just wants To play and all this stuff and the reality Is yeah maybe I mean That could be true but I think the Other thing is a lot of people look at And be like if he's that serious then he'll Stay away and Kevin Durant unlike a lot Of other players he's made Millions, hundreds of millions Of dollars, both on and off The court, so he doesn't need to come You know, he's not a guy who's sitting there saying Yeah, you know, I gotta get there because I need those checks Like, he's fine if he Misses, you know, a while at training camp So we'll see what happens here, it's, you know, it's a little Bit of a, you know, we got let's call it a month and a half ish. And then guys will start filtering into town before camp and, and we'll see. So there's at least a little bit of a clock on it, but I, I think the nets are driving a high ask as they should. It's, it's Kevin Durant. He's one of the best players and, you know, in the game still, he's one of the best players of all time. So you should be asking a whole bunch for
1: him. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird situation. Cause you see like Durant calling out, Nets ownership on Twitter, or sorry, vice versa. Nets ownership calling out Kevin Durant on Twitter, kind of like subtweeting uh, as Sam <laughs> returns from his frozen. Sure. Sam, your internet better now? Or are we Are we back? Sam has Verizon issues. He has a beef. Uh, I see. <laughs> a long-running beef with Verizon. But um Joe Sy obviously tweeting out, you know, we're going to back Steve Nash and Sean Marks. We like uh, our guys. Kevin Durant, based on the Shams report, saying it's either me or those two that's not a great situation to be in for any party involved. Like Sam, welcome back. Uh We're talking about Kevin, Kevin Durant's beef with Joe Sy. What do you make of that? Is it just like, it's going to spiral out of control until he eventually gets traded. Is it tenable by any chance? Like what's, what's going on? Any, any, just your insight, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's Joe Sy saying I have our GM and coaches back and, and we, we, Whatever I forget the exact phrasing, but basically, like we're we're gonna see this through uh with them, we'll do what's best for the Nets. I one is I mean, if he he could fire them today and be like, Well, what was best for the Nets was firing them, right? He, that was what he ended it with. We're, we're gonna do what's best for the Nets. I think for Kevin Durant's side of things, Kevin Durant is looking at it and basically saying, um, yo, okay, hey, he, he could come back and be like, I never said that like that. That wasn't true. Right. And we'll never know if he did or didn't, because I'm sure there's no recording of him saying that or anything like that. So I believe the reporting, I have no doubt to doubt the reporting The reporters that it's come from have been largely accurate. Right. And they've rarely been uh, off the mark with anything like this. So I'm going to believe the reporting, but all sides can very easily. We've seen things like this. I, I go back to might be a little bit before you guys time, but I mean, Shaq and Kobe we're ready to kill each other and they were still playing games together and playing great. So it's like, it's, I'm not going to, you know, stress over stuff like this. If, if Kevin Durant wants to play and he decides, all right, you know what, then you can't find the right trade. I'm going to see it through then go. And I think from the net side, they should basically be saying, Hey man, we just gave you a four year extension that is only just starting now. And you're already saying you want out, like, where are we going with this? And, and it's not like they, gave him that four-year extension then traded away every other good player and they're like we're rebuilding the roster it's like they've yeah. done everything he's asked and he's just not happy so you know i don't blame the nuts for basically drawing a line in the sand and saying no we're we're holding we're we're gonna hold tight
2: i'm with you on that one i'm a big fan of the team putting the hammer down i get so sick of players especially the extension part <laughs> is the real kicker because you just said you're gonna stay here and you kind of gave up your leverage in terms of demanding a trade like you're under contract for 4 years. Sit out, retire, mm-hmm. do what you want. They don't have to trade <laughs> him at all, right? Like they really don't. And I think yeah, yeah. And you you may agree, disagree, but the Ben Simmons thing definitely has had an impact on this in terms of them not immediately folding. And also the fact that the Nets have kind of done everything he's asked, you know, let him decide or or be in on decisions with the general manager kind of make it weak for him to say all right I want the GM gone.
0: Yeah. How are you going to blame him? You were in <laughs> on it. Sure. <laughs> I think one of the I've come around. I used to be very much that way of where like hey, like this is not right. You can't ask for trades. And then the more I've gotten to know players and talk to players, teams can trade them almost whenever they want, right? There's a handful of circumstances where players aren't eligible for trades. They can block trades, those kind of things. But for the most part, it's we could trade you whenever we want. And in this case, the Nets could trade Kevin Durant whenever they feel like it. And I think that's where it is. It does seem a little weird, right? That that's the world we operate in is only one side is expected to live up to the contract where the other side is there. Now I get it. You sign that contract knowing I could be traded at any point. But I just say those are the kind of things where I kind of laugh about that a little bit where it's like, really, like this is where we're going, going with this. So it's 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 one of those things where I think what we're going to see, I think one of the big pieces of CBA negotiation is going to be you sign an extension. You both parties, you're locked into each other for X amount of time, whether that is. Yeah. Two years, halfway through the extension, whatever the case is, it's going to be you're locked in together. It won't be for the life of it, and it shouldn't be, right? Because teams and players should both be able to exercise their right to to pivot to other things. Um, But, yeah, I've always found it weird where it's it's taken so negatively when a player demands a trade. But if a team openly says, you know, hey, player X is on the block, like anybody want to trade for him? We're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, why why is that a thing? Like, well, why is that cool? But when a player wants it, it's not. So that's, you know, that's kind of my thought on it, where I think, yeah, the whole thing's a little bit broken, where both parties are like, yeah, I can break this whenever I feel like it. Like, that probably isn't how it should be either.
2: Yeah, Yeah, there should have to be some kind of, like, circumstance that happens, (laughs) whether it's a rebuild or, you know, um, in the player's case, they they don't have the guys on the team. They're not putting the guys out there, and he decides he wants to leave. It just
0: yeah. I think your challenge there becomes how do you define that? Right? Yeah. Because like, would you say the the Jazz are in the middle of a rebuild? I think right now they could feels say, like it. It feels like you're right, but they could say, "Why we traded one player and we got five good players for him? We're still good. Like we're fine." Now that could be what they say, right? If Donovan Mitchell was like, "Trade me, trade me now." Right. So that's where you just got to be careful defining. I think it'll be a time definition where it'll be. You sign a four year extension to for two years. You're locked in together or whatever it might be. They'll they'll figure something out where probably uh, neither side ends up overly happy, which is generally means we reached a fairly good agreement just make
1: it like 2k where you have to list uh if you're a buying selling rebuilding or contending team and then it solves
0: everything right you're gonna hang up on me when i said i would drink (laughs) williams you ever say make it like 2k i'm out don't make anything like 2k check
2: we talked about this last time it's (laughs) not 2k very clearly not 2k which is why (laughs) why so
0: many people have issue with the durant yeah. 2k's no. whole thing is is about as broken as it gets so like mm-hmm. yeah it's uh you know well this guy is a higher rating cool so some dude <laughs> like me decided that like that's how <laughs> life works
1: like, yeah. fair enough um next thing i have on my little list here ian begley put out a report saying that kevin durant's quote-unquote preferred destinations are now the celtics and another team uh listed on that group is the philadelphia 76ers Uh, It also said that Durant wants to play with Marcus Smart, which I guess makes it like Celtics fans saying, oh, just give up Derek White in the deal then, which is this whole thing. And then uh, reporting from, I think, Frank Isola, and if I say that wrong, I'm sorry, saying that he could want to team up with James Harden again, which is cool. Uh, Just what do you make of both of those things, I guess, starting with the wants to play with Smart thing, and then we can dive into the Harden you know, black hole suit.
0: <laughs> yeah, for all that the Kevin Durant's desired teams means literally nothing. He has no he doesn't have any form of no trade clause or anything like that. If the Nets decide the best place to trade them is Orlando, they should trade him to Orlando, right? And then let it go and then we get the best deal for us. The challenge is why you want to put this out there is you also want to let teams know, hey, you acquire me. I'm just gonna turn right back around and be like I don't want to be here either. So that becomes the – that's why Orlando's not going to jump in on the Kevin Durant, Durant you know, uh, mix on that. Now, all reports are, as it should have been, all 29 teams made a call, as they should, right, because if it turns around, and uh, much to Jack's dismay, if it's, hey, all we need is Grant Williams back, well, then everybody should be thrown into the mix uh. Uh, with this. <laughs> but I do think it is – I think him saying, hey, I'm cool with Boston, I'm cool with Philly – I think what that is, is the Suns are kind of off the table. The heat don't really have a way to make it happen. So let me put out there like, hey, these couple other teams. Because what he's trying to do is make sure these teams know, hey, I'm cool with going there. I want out of here, so let's make sure I can work myself to somewhere. That makes sense. So that's why with that. The Marcus Smart stuff, I kind of get it right there. A couple – Durant played at Texas, Smart's a Texas guy. Smart's a guy who's very well-respected around the league because of everything he does defensively. He plays very hard every night. Uh, Durant has been guarded by him a lot, so I think he knows, like, hey, that's a guy you can go to battle with, and I feel pretty good about that. And I think it's also the idea is, like, hey, let's not – uh bottom out the team too much here by sending too much out cuz I want to come and compete for championships, right? Like I don't want to be on a team where it's you traded everything and now it's me and nothing left. Like that that's the the tricky part. And that's the hard part with this whole Durant trade is the Nets need a lot back, but the other team needs to make sure you're in a position, which is why teams like Boston are They're one of the few teams that can reasonably do something like this because they could put a really, you know, a blue chip player like Jalen Brown in the mix and say, Hey, we can do Jalen Brown in a pick and a role player, uh, probably Derek White, it sounds like. And then we can make this happen and we're still going to be really, really good. Uh, Where a lot of other teams, it's like, Yeah, in order to meet your asking price, we have to then tear so much down um, with that. The Sixers part. It's hard because I just don't know how you get there. Right? You almost have to involve Tobias Harris for mm-hmm. salary matching purposes. If Tobias Harris was an expiring contract, and it was like Harris and Maxi and Thibel and a pick or two. I could see Brooklyn saying, "All right, we'll we'll do that because one year Tobias Harris is fine; he keeps us competitive. We'll go." It's that second year where it starts to become. Uh, I don't know that I want to take on that second year at thirty nine million or so, or whatever it is. That, that's where it starts to lose it And Philly, quite frankly, they don't have the picks To put in, because they already put all these Picks in to go get James Harden uh, Trades that they made with Oklahoma City in the past So they're, they're kind of stuck on trading Picks, so I just don't know that they can Build up the value that's needed to really make A realistic play, given what The Nets are supposedly asking for
1: Yeah, when you Said the Oklahoma City thing, all I could think in my head was Al Horford helping the Celtics out again By not letting <laughs> KD go to Philly uh, hey, no. it's
0: funny. I jokingly said to some Sixers fans just to kind of tweet them. I was like, I kind of want it to happen just so I can hear all the trash talk from you guys. And then they hardened Durant and Embiid combined to play like 100 games. And that's, <laughs> you know, it all falls apart spectacularly because it just feels like that's what happens to Philly. Yep. Of course. Well, it is
2: funny that you mentioned how smart is so well-respected around the league, but people – uh, in this fan base cannot come together and respect him <laughs> as a whole there There's always a polarizing debate when it comes to Marcus smart.
0: But- yeah, I don't get it right he, he should be the guy who should be beloved for the way he plays right there's if there's one thing right in every sport that everybody gets behind it's a guy who does all the dirty work, right It's you know no matter what the sport is, we all kind of love that guy. I think the challenge has been I think part of what it is, it's just time. He's been in Boston so long. And I think fans equate the, to some extent, the failures to advance until this past year past the East Finals with, well, Tatum and Brown were kids. So we can't put the early failures on them. And all the other guys are gone. The only guy who's still here is Marcus Smart. So we're going to just throw it all the blame at him. And I think it just becomes too much. I think it's one of those things where, you know, my opinion is if you. If you can literally tell me you watch all the games and you don't see the value he, he applies to the team and gives to the team, I, I would question if you're really watching or you just listen to sports radio parrot the same stupid stuff over and over and over <laughs> again. Because it's, that's what it becomes. It just becomes you know kind of a silly talking point.
2: That that's fantastic cuz that's typically the way I determine if somebody is worth having a conversation with is if they <laughs> start telling me, "Oh no, they got to get rid of Marcus Smart." Like he's he's weighing him down or mm-hmm. whatever. The the only time I've actually kind of listened to it is like recently recently and that's only because he just won defensive player of the year and if you're going to get rid of him this is probably peak value but even then it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, my thing is it it's also never made any sense in other times when people have said it, they just then you would have been creating this massive hole on the team.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think the bigger part of it as I look at it is it starts to become where are we going with this? Now I get it right. You have Derek White, you have Malcolm Brogdon, you have Peyton Pritchard. He those guys can all play the point. They can all play it fine. But the reality is I think the way Boston has built this team, the whole idea is we want to make sure we're covered if there's injuries and Quite frankly, trust in Malcolm Brogdon for more than, you know, let's say 50, 60 games. That's pretty risky, right? He's a guy who has very heavy injury history, especially in recent years. Um, so that becomes a little bit concerning uh, there. So for me, it's like, all right, so that's like, call it just a half a player, not from ability, but from availability. So that's like a half a player. If, if And I know some people don't really like Peyton Pritchard. All right, so put the two of them together. So now, now you've got one spot covered. I don't want just one other guy, right? I want to make sure I've got other, you know, I want to make sure I have at least a couple guys that I feel pretty good about. And then if Brogdon comes out and he plays 70, 75 games, great. Right. That's bonus. And we figure it all out. And I think this is going to continue to be an evolving roster with Brad Stevens throughout the course of the year. I think It's going to be, we're going to continue to tweak. We'll see what the year brings us, what we need to add. And we'll go because right now they probably could use another big, and you know they'll they'll figure that out, but they've got the 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 pieces to be able to go do that. Because the other thing I think that's really important that people keep kind of skipping over, I think, in these trades is they keep only giving up one pick per trade. They haven't done one of these trade trades where it's two picks, and then you're stuck because you can't trade a pick, you know, a year from now or anything like that. Like they, yeah, they, they're trading the. Most likely trading the 23rd pick To the Pacers The 2023 pick rather to the Pacers And then that would turn into all right, well, We can't trade 2024 But we could do 2025 So they're, they're well positioned to be able to do a lot of different things um, But yeah it's just It's one of those things where yeah It goes way too far with the you know Get Marcus Smart off this team stuff Because it's also like well who else do you want to play Instead like that would drove me jack nose Drove me nuts during the finals Because I'm like so Derek White, who's looked terrified for large chunks of games, Peyton Pritchard, who hasn't been able to defend well enough to stay on the court right now in the finals. Like where else were you going to go? Like that's the, the, you know, I love everybody screams you this guy. Should never see the floor again, but they never want to give you a, you know, well, this guy should play instead. All right. I guess you play with four like Hoosiers. My team's on the floor. Right. And that's it.
1: Well, as much as I, I loved him, they could always just resign Dennis Schroeder because he's he's yeah. too. Okay. <laughs> so there's that as well. But um you you mentioned the roster, and that's the perfect segue into kind of the next thing I want to talk about. You see a report, uh, I think about a week ago at this point, maybe a little longer, Jay King for the athletic uh, explaining that the Celtics are basically hoping, hosting, excuse me, an open roster uh, or competition for the final spots on the roster during training camp. Um, among those quote unquote, competing uh, Noah Vonley, Bruno Caboclo, and then reportedly probably like Justin Jackson, Broderick Thomas, Matt Ryan was notably left off that list. Um, I was listening to Front Office Show podcast, and you mentioned that this is something like the Raptors have done in the past. Other teams uh, have employed. What do you make of the competition? And I know it's pretty unrealistic, but what do you, see, do you do? You see any of these players kind of re-sparking sort of their career? Not necessarily finding like a spot in Boston's rotation, but proving sure. I still have left like I could be an NBA player. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think um, I, I wouldn't read too much into Matt Ryan being left out. Um, I that that could be a situation where Matt Ryan's looking for more of a guaranteed sure. shot at it, making a team versus, yeah, hey, you're really coming in here to fight for a two way or to uh, get you know sent to the G League after training camp and those kind of things. And that's something where no disrespect left to Matt Ryan because he's got you know arguably the, one of the cooler stories in the NBA you can sign Matt Ryan two weeks before training camp starts, most likely, or another player like Matt Ryan. Um, of all the guys they're bringing in, Caboclo is, just because of the former lottery pick aspect to him, or maybe it wasn't a lottery pick, but first-round tie selection, there might be a little bit of you know intrigue there. Um, I think Noah Vonley is the guy who might have an actual shot to, to stick and make it because I think with, with Noah Vonleh is the, the good part with him is that he is, how, how do I put this? He has always rebounded at the very least everywhere. He's been every time he's gotten a chance to play, he's put up good rebounding numbers. And when you're looking for guys in roster spots, 12 to 15, you're either looking for super high upside project guys Or you're looking for guys who have at least one defined skill where we can say, put that guy on the floor. Oftentimes that can be, at least they can shoot. At least they can handle the ball and run the offense for 10 minutes if we need them to. Um, The reality is, if for the Celtics, if any of these guys is playing a big role, it's either gone amazingly well, and the player is better than anybody thought, or far more likely things have gone really wrong. (laughs) right? And it's all kind of falling apart on Boston. Um, Just you are generally not looking for much out of those last, you know, three to four roster spots. Um, But to the bigger point is this is what you do. You bring in a bunch of guys and you turn the bottom of that roster. When you feel really comfortable with the top seven, eight, nine, even 10 spots in your rotation, you should be churning those bottom few spots. Now, a lot of times you do that through the draft, which that's what the Celtics did. That's how they got Grant Williams, right? That's how they got Peyton Pritchard is late draft picks that, then they worked with. And those guys played their ways, their way the rotation spots and off we went. So I think what you're really looking for here out of the Celtics is, um, they don't have those picks. So now you're kind of supplementing them with second draft kind of guys. Um, in some cases, these might be third or fourth draft kind of guys, but it's more age-wise, right? Like, Noah Vonley feels like he's been around forever. He's 26, right? So, like, it's just, I mean, part of that's just these guys come in so young now, right, to come in at 18, 19, and seven, eight years into a career that they're still only in their 20s. So I think that's what you're kind of looking for uh, with those kind of guys is bring them in, uh, see if one of them can pop and grab a rotation spot um, if necessary down the line, or at least they stick in your, you know what? There's a little something here. Let's invest in it for the future. Kind of like what happened with Sam Hauser, right? Like Hauser is probably not ever going to be a rotation guy, but there's at least a little something there shooting wise where let's keep working with them. And if, all right, he can hold his own defensively. He can defend and he can knock down 45% of his three pointers. Yeah. we'll, We'll we'll run them out there and off we go. the
2: The rebounding aspect of Vonleh is super exciting because Jack, you know him better than anybody. I was losing my mind watching teams get <laughs> offensive rebound after offensive rebound. And yeah. Spark runs not only throughout the playoffs but throughout the season. So if they have somebody they can bring in to give Horford a break, who's going to be probably laboring throughout the season after playing that marathon of a year at what thirty five? He's going to be thirty six now. Is he thirty seven? At least thirty six. I think, he? I think he'll be thirty seven. Horford,
1: Horford.
0: thirty six right now. Thirty six. Yeah.
2: yeah. So you're you're definitely going to need to give him some rest. So having somebody that can help you rebound is going to be fantastic. I am now sold, in – not to mention he's local, which I've also
0: saying <laughs> yeah. 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 I do explain to somebody the other day that he they they called me out because they they're like he's a local kid, right? And I was like, yeah, he's from Haverhill, and they were like, where is he from? Because it says Haverhill, and I'm like, yeah, that's not how we say it.
2: Haverhill. <laughs> Haverhill. love it who's saying it Haverhill oh. even if I didn't yeah. know how to say it I would say it Haverhill yeah, yeah that's what I that was my guess. I think they look at
0: it as the word is half right but I guess uh, yeah yeah, gotcha yeah. I explained very clear I'm like no we say Haverhill. and then that launched in a whole conversation about like pronouncing a whole bunch of other places in Massachusetts that make little sense
2: too. did you see the Warriors did that for the finals no oh you gotta go and find it Jack you didn't see this either they had a bunch of guys too. trying to pronounce Different towns throughout Massachusetts, it was great. It was absolutely <laughs> I fantastic.
1: I can imagine. That's very funny. Love that. Um, anyways, yeah, the other guys, Bruno Caboclo, Justin Jackson, Bradrick Thomas. Um, Jackson Thomas obviously played for the summer league team, played well, and Caboclo is by math standards, four years away from being uh good in the NBA. <laughs> he's only twenty-six too, which is crazy yeah. to me because he's yeah. been around forever. Um You're obviously a Vonley guy from everything you said. Do you see any of those other guys having a chance, or are they just kind of there to give Vonley or give everybody competition?
0: Yeah. I mean, the reality is, this team right now has three open roster spots on the regular season roster because they only have 12 players under contract minus the two way players. So, a couple of them are going to stick because you're going to be at 14 anyway. So at least a couple guys are going to stick. I don't see any other, anybody else really jumping in there and saying, Hey, we'll sign on if you kind of go through the veteran free agents that are out there. I think all of them are looking for more of an opportunity. Uh, but I think what they're going to do is they're going to go with extremely, you know, minimum signings at the end of this bench, uh, bring those guys in. They'll probably move through a couple guys throughout the course of the year. It'll probably be, uh, you know, this guy's kind of almost like what happened with Jabari Parker, where it's like, all yeah. right, he's okay, but he's not really sticking. So we're going to move off him. We'll go get somebody else. Um, you know, maybe the roster need arises where it's like, uh, we really need to go get a center. And then they'll go pluck somebody who's available in free agency or playing well in the G League. And then I think what they'll really do is after the trade deadline, it'll be, hey, veterans who are looking to catch on and make a run for a ring, which they haven't been able to do in a number of years. Not because they haven't been good enough. I think that's the misconception is I think people will say, like, well, it's because they've they really been contenders. Well, they have, but they've never had the spots, right? Because it's been in the last few few runs, it's been the guys who are in the 13, 14, 15 spot are guys like Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Peyton Perk, guys who are draft picks that you're not going to give up on now it's yeah this dude we signed he, he's you know made the team out of camp like they might move off of them so that's what i think is more likely to happen is we'll see you know march april additions that are guys designed around right they're just better depth if we need them you know for for the season yeah the reality is they probably will have no impact because rare is the bio player who actually makes an impact in a playoff run it almost never happens
1: for sure. Yeah. And I mean, any of these guys uh, that they're signing in training camp, you never know until you find the Gary Payton, like the Warriors found yeah. in training camp. There's yeah. there's always a chance. That's why you keep doing it.
0: Right. You keep yep. keep bringing those guys in, just keep cycling through those last few spots because you may find somebody who all of a sudden it's like, wow, this guy can really play. And I think that's a far better approach to the last few spots than signing. You know, I've seen people, you know, <laughs> Jack, I know you know this, like, hey, we should go get, Dwight Howard or Tristan Thompson or one of those <laughs> things like why what role are those guys gonna play they're probably not gonna play to be quite honest and then if they're not playing all they're doing is taking up a roster spot from somebody you could maybe pop and have for the next three or four years versus one of these guys now when you get to March April I have no problem with our right, a title contender if we lose, you know, a big man gets injured, like like what happened with Robert Williams, I want to make sure we have another tested vet to throw in there. Yeah. Then that's fine. You know, make your move then. But, yeah, cycle through in the early months of the year because there's a, it's not going to hurt you at all.
1: Well, it's, it's too bad the Nuggets acted super quick and signed DeAndre Jordan. That
2: would have been. But you can also somebody. He and it's still out there. You know, cannot believe he's not been approached. He said, one month
1: in, not a (laughs) single call. Um, no, but I kind of relate it back to just talking about having too many veterans on the bench and then restricting yourself. The Nets last year, it didn't end up mattering, but they had like. Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and then they had to let go of like DeAndre Bembry, James Johnson. and Johnson was a veteran too, but like both of those guys were playing better minutes than the others were giving them. It was it was just a very weird situation, and I can see how signing one of these guys like Thompson or Howard could lead to that. And I've always been of the camp: just sign these younger guys. Like I thought, Kevin Gailey or Kevin Jaley sorry, um, could have been on a. a full roster spot if they believed in him or at least among this training camp group, but they got him on a two-way and the same thing could be said for Von Ley and Justin Jackson who could yeah and eventually. You, could
0: see, you you could see, you know, Kevin Gelly or uh or mm-hmm. um JD Davison, if they play really great, like they convert them and now they come come over. I think you'll probably hold longer on that because you've got a little bit more control, let them play it out, and then you can always convert them in season um, down the line if you need to. But yeah, I I think that that's a possibility. I always say with veteran players, they hit, they all, every single one of them hits a point where they're more named than game. And you look at it and you're like, wow, that guy, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, like he's great. I had people ripping me apart when I wrote the first round playoff series because like you didn't write a single thing about LaMarcus Aldridge. And I'm like, LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't play anymore. He's out of the rotation and hasn't played meaningful minutes in like a month and a half. And like people are like, no, I can't. He's LaMarcus Aldridge. And I'm like. Yeah, go look. And they're like, oh, and then you got the couple that, like, they're just never going to give up the fight, right? It's like never stop posting online. And yeah. they're like, well, you know, it's, but that's because they're saving them. You know, they're oh, okay, that's, saving them. That's you know, yeah, <laughs> you, you, you just, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. So I don't know. if you guys seen the movie Moneyball? Yeah. It's yeah. It's like, it's like when uh scout says to, Billy Bean, like there comes a time when they they, they always tell us well, you can no longer play the children's game, right? And it's yeah. like, and it's so true. I mean, that comes a point where you you just can't play anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's you know more often than not, it comes a year or two too late for a lot of these guys and these teams because they they see the player and they're like, ah, right, let's bring them in. And sometimes they're great locker room influences, and it's fine that they don't play. But other times, it's like people see the name and they're like, well, why is Blake Griffin not getting run? because he Mm -hmm. he can't move anymore and he can't you know (laughs) do these these things that are needed
1: yeah no i totally get that um that's most of the stuff i had on my list i know whenever we have a first-time guest sam likes to ask a set of questions so we'll run through those and we'll get you out of here i want to start off
2: though because i want to know if you have a favorite uh Twitter interaction you've had because all these stories you're telling are fantastic of these big I brain individuals with the keyboards <laughs> or, or perhaps the iPhones going the,
0: at you, the, the, the keyboard cowboys. That's what the, I like to oh, call it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I've yeah, never they, heard they, that one. Yeah. They fire up their Twitter fingers and they're ready to go. Um, no, nah, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, I'll clap back sometimes, especially if it gets really, um, Yo, My crazy. favorite
1: interactions. I love yeah. the threads. It's, it's, it's um crazy.
0: I just I, I don't like you know, like sometimes people say things where I'm like, you can't like you can't even imagine thinking it. Never mind like that. I'm gonna type this out <laughs> to a stranger I've never met over mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the most stupid basketball things in the world. It's like the most minor of things. It, this is, it's not a favorite, but it's probably the dumbest thing that ever happened. And this was years ago when I had a much, much smaller following. I had written that I thought one of the worst off season signing. So this will take you back a few years. Was Joe Kim Noah to the Knicks. And I was like, they way overpaid him. Like, and I actually wrote in that piece, I wrote it for real GM when I was writing for them at the time. I wrote, I guarantee you at some point, this contract is stretched. That's how bad it is. And that's exactly what happened. And I had a (laughs) Knicks fan reply to me and like, you're an idiot. You think, you know, better than Phil Jackson, you know, went on and on and on. And he ended the reply with, you should go find every, every, um, member of your family, wipe yourselves all off the face of the earth so no trace of you ever exists. And I was like, that's way over the top because of Joe Kim Noah. like, And that, <laughs> that was my kind of welcome too. Like, wow, man, people are passionate and they will say literally anything when, when they get fired up.
2: Well, what do you want out of him? He's a Knicks fan. They don't have much to be excited about ever. Especially back then. <laughs> right? Carmelo's yeah. like their favorite guy, and they went to the playoffs, what, twice with him yeah. on the team? Ooh, they beat the
0: Celtics one year.
2: They did. <laughs> that was Talk. almost a... Fan- I mean, it still was a good moment when they came back and almost almost did it, but... You know,
1: we do... we do. Sorry, not to cut you off saying We do pregame shows, and at the start of the year, when the Celtics lost opening night to the Knicks, we had a Knicks fan come in our like live stream chat, just like Talking a bunch of like crap, Andrew. Was it him or it was someone? It was Andrew, yeah. And then by the end of the year, he was like a Celtics fan rooting for them in the playoffs. Like in our chat, it was it was great
2: transformation. Was it
0: It was Bing Bong? Right, they love that. Oh, they love that. I I'll be honest. I like when the Knicks are good because I think Knicks fans are fun. Like like I just I I just they they get they get so wild. Like I like I have no problem with with just. It, entertainment tone it down with the personal attacks and yeah. people yeah don't be yes. mean horrible things to themselves like talk trash mm-hmm. about basketball not about people
2: yeah absolutely but jack you were right i do have the list of uh questions yes. i usually ask just about like you know different celtics related things you... the first is do you have a favorite uh you know moment you've got to see in person at the garden or you know or down in orlando whatever it may be do you have one
0: yeah, it's 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 two, but they're they're tied together. I went Sweet. to the last game in the Boston Garden, the playoff game against the Orlando Magic. Then I went to the first game in what is now TD Garden, um, and the, their first ever game that they played there. So I was at both of those games. the The Magic game, what it just it was cool to be in the Garden and just a quick funny story. I got up to go to the. We had horrible seats, and in the old <laughs> ball, you guys probably, you guys, I'm guessing neither one of you ever went. Right? Nope.
2: Probably 1998.
0: Okay, yeah, I I figured. Um, There was we were sitting on the baseline, but up in the what was called the loge section, right next to the organ, um, which was still like a live organ that that somebody played. And in order to see the closest, the no, the furthest basket, we did do this, like lean (laughs) over because the overhang from the balcony section like blocked your view from the other end. But anyway, I got up to go to the bathroom in between quarters and I came back. I'm like, what is going on here? Cause my, they were, um, the seats were slats. So like, it was like, like wood, 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 yeah. wood. I think it was like four, maybe five. I don't know. And like three of them were missing. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? And this guy goes, Oh, I thought you were leaving for the game. And he said, I'll put it back. He was in process of stealing the chair. <laughs> out of the, the, the building and like and he's, he's he's like but i get it when you when you go for good. and i'm like yeah man but i just like we got two more quarters but i with. get it like i'd you know, like to sit here like i'm not and i was i was young i was a teenager at the yeah. time so yeah so that's one one of my favorite moments so like was he was gonna souvenir. teach you a
2: lesson if you're like no i want the chair like yeah, right? it's my <laughs> yeah. seat yeah he's like he's like i get it it's mine yeah i was like all right
0: man i might have fight you over the seat like, yeah. wow yeah see yeah, that boston garden was a trip
2: man it was that is uh, the best. Yeah. That might be one of the best ones we've got for that's up there. <laughs> it, it's different. Some people just yes. have like all oh, the finals, this, that, but that that has real meaning to it. So, do you just have a favorite moment in general? Not a championship. A lot of people will say like the Marcus Smart double charge is a very popular one. Isaiah Thomas with 50 points against the Wizards. <laughs> do you have a favorite, you know, all time moment, Keith?
0: Yeah. Um, so I grew up on the Larry Bird era, he's still yeah. my, my, he's like neck and neck with Tom Brady for my like all time, most favorite athlete. Um, I, so growing up on Larry bird playing it, it's, it's, it's a little lesser known because it came at the end of his career, but he had a game in the playoffs against the Indiana Pacers. He dove for a ball and he smashed his face into the floor and he left. And it was like that. Like, he's not going to come back. Like, he really hit the floor hard, stayed down for a long time. And then he came running out of the tunnel with his warm-up jacket on. And the crowd was going, it was the Larry, Larry, Larry. And I'll never forget, like, watching that on TV and, like, the way, like, it was just this feeling of, like, holy crap. And he immediately got in the game, got the ball and drained a jumper. And it was like, this is, this is Larry Bird. Like this is, even at that limited older, like he's like, this is what he means. And it's like that I'll never, ever, ever forget that. Um, You know, when when that happened, um, you know, and that was late, late in his career, but just one of the coolest things that I'd ever seen just because of the connection with the crowd too. And just everybody, you know, just the way they popped when he came back out of the tunnel was the coolest thing.
2: Yeah, Jack. We we never were lucky enough, but I'm always jealous when people tell bird stories. I never got to experience Uh, it live. I've seen highlights.
0: I I will tell you, I don't think I'd be as big into basketball as I am if I hadn't grown up on like Larry Bird and the Larry Bird Celtics. Like it was, it was really great. And then obviously, as the team kind of got bad at post bird because you know reggie lewis unfortunately passed away and mikhail retired and went through you know the real dark ages and then the patino years and all that it was very i was felt very good that there was i was never like a big michael jordan fan but like there was jordan then picked up the torch right and kind of carried things and like the we just kept going you know from player to player and it was it was really cool to like i don't know what i would have done if i had because by the time Bird retired, I was so attached to the game as a whole. Um, so I stayed, you know, a super big fan at that point.
2: Do you have any favorite piece of memorabilia, autograph, jersey, whatever? I mean, maybe a ticket stub from that last game at the Garden? Yeah, I have the, I So I have it's in
0: like one of those baseball card cards. Things I have the ticket stub, but I have both sides of it. So I have uh, mm. I have both ticket stubs in the same thing. So I have the last game on one side, the first game on the other side. So that's, that's awesome. probably my favorite thing. I don't I don't have a lot of um stuff like like that. Like I I I just I, I never really got anything like that. I've never been like a big person to go like chase that stuff down and stuff.
2: It it's funny you don't even get ticket stubs anymore. Yeah, yeah. You just use yeah. your phone. Hmm. Nah, oh, very weird. All right. yeah. I think that's it for me. Yeah, uh,
1: I think so. The last one. I mean, I always ask because I I used to be a big Jersey guy than I was now. I have I think I have a jersey from every NBA team. They're all from China, so don't. It's not like I'm spending <laughs> a lot of money. But uh, when I was in college, I collected them. Do you have a favorite jersey, or did you have a favorite jersey like from when you were a kid or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I had a. Um, so I had a Bird Dream Team jersey that I wore yep. all the time the number seven dream you'd see the dream team picture right behind me the original dream team Um, what you can't see above that is do you guys know what starting lineup figures are
2: they're like like, uh like little bobbleheads right
0: yeah they're not bobbleheads but they're like sports action figures okay i think they just brought them back guys i think they have started bringing them back just above that picture is the dream team starting lineup set like in you know they're like like in a Shadow box that my wife put together, but yeah, I had a Larry Bird dream team jersey. And my post Bird, my favorite player in the league was actually Patrick Ewing because there's my my family knows Patrick Ewing's family from him growing up in Boston. Um, Not like mm-hmm. like it's not like I can call Patrick Ewing; he's gonna know who I am or anything. <laughs> but I love Patrick Ewing; like he was like my favorite player um post. So I also had a Patrick Ewing Knicks uh, jersey that I wore all yeah. the time But literally I have not put on a basketball jersey Since my <laughs> last game That I played in high school I <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm I'm kind of a bigger dude but I don't think grown adults look real good in basketball <laughs> yeah. jerseys. Like it's just never one of those things that's made a ton of sense to me. Um, you know, especially too, it's like, it tends to be a lot of pasty, pasty white dudes wearing them with man. nothing on underneath, and it's like throw <laughs> oh, a no, t shirt no, no. on. You got to do them, the t shirt. Yeah, you can't. You like, can't. You yeah. Can't do if, the if you're playing in the game, cool to have no t shirt. If you're not playing in the game, throw a t shirt on underneath. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a big jersey guy. Give me like a football jersey. Like I'll take those, I'll do like, I'll do the baseball jersey, but Mm -hmm. t-shirt underneath and leave it open kind of of deal. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big, big uh, uh, basketball tank top jersey (laughs) guy.
1: The only time I really wore them was when I was in college. I'd put like a hoodie on underneath in the winter and the jersey over the hoodie. The hoodie,
0: yeah, the hoodie underneath, I can, especially up North, right? Like down, down, it's like, I think it's funny when we, (laughs) we, we had, there was the NBA store. It didn't last very long at Disney Springs, um, near where I live at the Disney property. And you'd see these guys, it was, it was often you it's funny, you could tell when uh people come from Europe to vacation in Florida, especially people from England, because they are as white as can be. And then you see them like two days later and they look red like a lobster, um, because they get so sunburned so quickly. But like just Dudes walking around with, like, they walk out of the store wearing the jersey they just bought. And it's like, has that skin ever seen the sun? Like, or how many <laughs> years has it been since, you know, you've that, that part of your body has seen sunlight? Cause it's like, you know, little tan here and then like completely white everywhere else. Oh,
2: sunlight. that's me. That That is yep. a thousand percent me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I look like the Absolutely. guy from, uh, what's that, that Disney movie? Lilo and Stitch, the guy eating the ice cream. Oh, yeah. 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 That's what they all look yeah. Like, yeah. I take the
2: shirt off. I look like I still have one on, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The farmer's
0: stand going. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, it's not, it's yeah. I'm not, not a, but what's funny is I, I like, I still, I I won't hesitate to critique jerseys when like, like teams come up with new ones, like whatever those monstrosities the Utah jazz are going to wear this season. You know, I don't even know what happened there, but it's uh. but yeah, I mean, and they, they, they went from some of the best in the league to whatever that mess is, but I will. So, Jack, you may have seen this, or maybe this is new for you Because I haven't done this rant in a little bit I, I the, the green and black Celtics jerseys have grown on me some the, the black ones with the green accents Those I'm okay with them wearing every once in a while I don't want to see anything else But the classic home whites and the classic road greens I, the, All this other stuff that they got get, them, get rid of all of them, fire them into the sun These ones they keep coming out with that. It looks like it was the worst themed Irish bar and, you know, (laughs) not in Boston where it's called like, you know, like, O'Kelly's pub or something. And it's like, you know, and it's like it went out of business and it became like a, like a taco restaurant two weeks later, like get rid of all those, get rid of all of them, the classic green. And I'll take it a step further. Green on the road, white at home, mixing the black every once in a while. And my last piece that's Jersey related the Celtics should always, always, always play a home game on St. Patrick's Day, and that should be the only day they wear the green uniforms, is at home on St. Patrick's Day.
2: Keith is an ally. I mean, it, <laughs> it has just been laid out. I've been fighting the fight for years. I and hate them. Just,
0: well, Nike is coming and ruined it. Yeah, ruined I, it hate, this. I hate all of, almost all of the alternate jerseys. I think they all look terrible. The banner ones kind of got me a little bit. Towards last year, I didn't mind the the throwback with the the old school Leprechaun logo, but those mm-hmm. were still at its core. They were the white jerseys yeah. and the green green jerseys, but yeah, and the black ones did they they took a while, but those they, they do look pretty sharp. Um, and i I kind of don't mind the ones with the gold accents. Oh, yeah. but it's those... when it's just the accents. Like, yes. but yeah, but I'd rather put that on shooting shirts, put that on warm-ups, like that stuff can be fine. Like, let's just stick with the the what well, well, works. There's a the best. they're mm-hmm. for my money, they're the best jersey set in sports because they're just classic and clean, and it's a color that color green, nobody else uses. It's a different mm-hmm. color green than anybody else has, because um, it's not a bright green, but it's not a dark forest green. It's like something in between. Like they call it Kelly green, um, but it's like it's yeah. I just yeah. But that's there. You got you got the jersey ran out of me.
2: Well, uh, there is no better guy to rant. Oh than yeah, right I mean, <laughs> all the time. When when they came out with the news in the finals that they were going to wear the correct jerseys everywhere, I was like in heaven. I was like, they have some respect. They finally made yeah. it back, and they're gonna. They're not going to screw around with the jerseys.
0: Well, it kills me when like they play the Lakers and like they're in their white jerseys in L.A. Like that's a classic (laughs) disgusting. You know, it should be purple versus white in Boston, green versus I call it yellow. I know they call it gold, but yellow in in L.A. and off we go.
1: I vividly remember having that exact conversation with Sam when they. Oh, yeah. This past year. That's, yeah. that's that's crazy but um yeah. as we talked yeah. about
2: uh sabonis <laughs> yeah i remember that and, and i yeah. wanted to murder somebody
1: the sabonis news just came out and we were talking about that instead of the game and sam was very mad As like they're playing uh, <laughs> the lakers <laughs> <laughs> but anyways i know you got to get going here shortly um thank you so much for joining us today we appreciate it yeah, i appreciate uh, it yeah keith smith mba on twitter check out celtics blog spa track got it right uh and the front office show podcast anything else did i miss anything that I, I cover all the bases nope you're good you got them all love that uh yeah and i'll throw it over to sam real quick
2: to wrap right, up i'll catch it thank you very much for listening or watching if you're on youtube you're on guy boston or bannertown regardless make sure you like share and subscribe we always appreciate it. I think we're approaching 100 on Bannertown, which is pretty good. We're getting it's there. Shot up pretty quick. S- slow grind, but yes. And if you're listening on whatever streaming service, make sure you follow us and make sure you follow Keith. He hopped on. We appreciate that very much. He is Jack's dream guest, and we finally got him I'm for him. I'm so happy. Make Glad sure you me. follow him at Keith Smith NBA. Check out Celtics blog, Spot Track, and the front office show. Catch him there. You can follow Jack at NBA. If he decides he wants to tweet out the pod, he will, or not, no, 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 no no, no, no. I do my best. No, 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 no. <laughs> he will put out his articles, his interview with Grant Williams. We'll plug that, right? And uh, from Rafter's pod on Twitter, that is where he will tweet the pod from, not his account. And you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA to see me complain about the, the jerseys when, when the time comes. That's our show for the day. Come on, Tom Taco. Taco's having some fun
0: here.